the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, beautiful spring. It is a nice spring Wednesday. It's... It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. This portion of the John DePietro Show at 106 on this Wednesday, April 7th. And folks, we're actually, we should feel lucky. We're enjoying a nice month, nice uh, month of weather. This portion of the program is brought to you by It's My Health. Now, it's a nice day, and maybe you're out and you're listening right now. On AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. Is that you? Slow down, number one. Number two, why not pop by Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davidport Restaurant. Pop in. I bet you've driven past her, that white church. And I'll tell you, you're in for a treat because inside... She has a tremendous retail store filled with vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality and integrity. How about local honey, local maple syrup, or the incredible acai berry local products, or herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use, natural skincare, hair care products, essential oils, body oils, soaps, it's my health because it's your health. Call Marie, the queen of health, 401-305-3585 or pop it in steer, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, good afternoon at 107 on this Wednesday afternoon. Now, tomorrow will be the Governor McKee press briefing. Governor McKee weekly press briefing. I am hearing from more and more of you that you are getting uh the vaccine, it's easier to get the vaccine. It's still, I'll tell you this, it's still not, um, you still can't do it casually. The appointments go pretty quickly. You can get an appointment for those that want to. Um, we're also fine, folks. I mean, the whole rollout, not just in Rhode Island, but everywhere. It's how about the fact Walgreens now screwed it up. And Walgreens could have been doing the second shot within two or three weeks, but they're doing everything four weeks apart. Makes no sense in any way. But if you go on Rhode Island vaccine, I just received a message from David that went to Sockenosset and Cranston. Went very, very smooth. No issues. Uh, Very, very happy about his experience with that. And then he'll go for his uh, second shot. For that, very um, smooth on that. And then I'm hearing from other people as well. So I'd like to hear that. And, uh, and now it, it's kind of as we expected, folks. As the vaccine is becoming more readily available, it, it, there's just more vaccine. Now, I'm also hearing, um, and I want you to, to remind you that I still highly recommend both uh, CVS and Walgreens. Or wherever you can, you know what the answer is, wherever you can get it. Wherever you can get it. Now, I recognize there's some people that are not going to get the vaccine, but for those that want to get it, um, I, I, I don't fully understand those that don't want to get it. I, I'll be honest. I don't. Just everything we've gone through, deaths are down. The vaccine is working. Do you understand that? The vaccine is working. So, But there are people still dying from complications from COVID. They're not dying from COVID if they've had the vaccine. The vaccine works, works very effectively, apparently. And we're just getting closer to a normal return. It's not automatic. Still have to be careful. But it is working. So I know it's a personal decision. You decide if you want to get it. But I I don't put it, I don't see the downside in getting it. I don't. There's been some fluke things. I know some people feel they're a guinea pig and they want to wait a while. But there's here's the thing. There's literally there's millions of people that have gotten the vaccine. Hundreds of millions of people that have gotten it. If you feel you're still not comfortable, totally your decision. However, there are private companies that are going to start to say you're not coming here unless you can prove you got the vaccine. You can get upset about it. You don't have to go. 
but I think there will be some downside. I also want to say good afternoon to Gracie. I won't give her last name. She sent me an email. I found your show. Uh, I listen on 99.9 on my lunch break. And I heard something about a rally that was going on at 3 o'clock regarding the voting process. I didn't hear anything about it until I heard on your show. How do I find out about these rallies? And what about the average working class who, who work and they can't participate in something like that? Well, a couple things. Thank you, Gracie. If you are listening on 99.9 FM, plug it in in your car or... You can put plug in AM thirteen eighty. So it depends on where you are. Or you can always listen online at the website to petro.com. Uh, unfortunately, I am the only one that plugs these rallies. Uh, I am the only one. It got some media coverage, but just beforehand. The the reason why they have them at that time is because that's when the General Assembly meets. And this is always a problem. I know some people say, why they should have a rally on a Sunday. The media has a skeleton staff on a, on, a, on a Sunday. People that normally don't know anything about rallies schedule them on a Saturday or Sunday. I'm not saying all the time. And it's not guaranteed. If you're going to do it, you might as well get some publicity out of it. You increase the likelihood of getting publicity if you do it Monday through Friday. The real time to do it is Monday through Thursday, ideally. Um, Because then a Friday starts to lead into the weekend. It's not impossible. But then if there's some major accident or fire or something that happens, then you don't get any coverage. If you do a rally and no one shows up, it's a little bit of like when a tree falls in the forest, right? If there's no one, if a tree falls in the forest, and there's no one there to hear it. Does it really make a sound? The answer is no. So I know it's tough. Um. But unfortunately, the media has really gone into the pocket of they're buying this narrative that that somehow if you want to really protect our voting, that somehow that's racist, I, which I just think is so appalling that they're trying to go down. And that's what they're doing in Georgia. It's all a lie, by the way. Folks, I also want to remind you, this portion of the program brought to you by competition shooting supplies. Now, listen, you have a Second Amendment right. I encourage you and implore you and request you shop at competition shooting supplies for your firearm, for your ammunition. John Francis is terrific. His accessories, he's so knowledgeable, you can call him at 727-1716. His address is 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. And if you have some firearms that you're willing to sell, because there's a lot of people that want them, business owners that want to protect themselves, I strongly encourage you contact him. And he also has a good Facebook page that he updates. But you can also um, either sell them to him or sell them on consignment. Competition shooting supplies. I know you have some different options where to go. I'm encouraging you to go to competition shooting supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. All right, as I mentioned, we normally have, uh, we do uh, politics this week with Justin Katz. He had a conflict on Monday. I'm going to get him on the phone. I also want to remind you, just Juan's going over his checklist. Don't forget Lawn Doctor. How about this year? You have your best lawn ever guaranteed. I am such a fan of Lawn Doctor. You, You can call them, by the way. Lawn Doctor, 392-1025. But they have a great website, lawndoctor.com. Then you just put in your zip, and then boom, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. They do such a great job. Lawn care services, pest control, uh, annual programs, uh, natural-based fertilizer, spring and lime service, Lawn Doctor. Your best lawn ever guaranteed. Best thing, I think, go online. And right now, take advantage. Spring lime, high calcium blend, crabgrass control, time-release fertilizer, broad weave. Why not have your best lawn ever, plus tick and mosquito? Lawn Doctor. Call George, 392-1025 or online, lawndoctor.com, lawndoctor.com. All right, let me get on um, on the phone. Justin Katz, who is the managing editor. Of OceanStateCurrent.com. By the way, folks, also be listening. Coming up at, at 2 o'clock, the big guy is back. John Dion returns to the airway. He will be on this afternoon coming up at 2 o'clock. So he...
John Dion returns. As you know, John had uh, quite a health scare, but he is, uh, John Dion will be back at 2 o'clock, I'm sure with a lot to say. All right, there he is. Folks, joining us right now, he is the managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. Good afternoon. It's time for politics this week. It's Justin Katz. Good afternoon, Justin. Justin Newton, great to join you again. Yes, great to join you on this Wednesday. Hey, Justin, I want to um, start off. It is some um, kind of news today. Uh, I, I don't know how much people should be surprised. I, for one, am not surprised. I thought it would have been a, a tall order if he had, in fact, uh, vetoed or said he was going to veto. But some people seem surprised that Governor McKee has said that he will not veto this, as I call it, the Green New Deal, this climate bill that basically was really pushed by his former uh, candidate opposition for that office of lieutenant governor, Aaron Ruggenberg. But Governor McKee has said he will not veto this legislation. Yeah, it is a bit surprising, I mean, given his his long advocacy for small business and also the fact that it's almost like a free a free vote, a free veto for him because he'll, the General Assembly can just override and he'll have no problem with it. So it, it does it does feel kind of like he's he's eyeing that Democrat primary <laughs> that he has to run not too long from now. And, yeah. and so he just doesn't want to be on record opposing this. And of course he got, I don't know how much cooperation there was, I assume there was some with Attorney General Nerona's office getting kind of just a, a fluffy get out of jail free card saying oh there's no there are no legal problems with this and also we have to remember the despite a good bit of advocacy from the house republicans and also the rhode island center for freedom and prosperity uh there were no votes changed in the house in the senate about five more people voted against it when they they had to vote a second time uh in the house no votes flipped so mckee's looking at that seeing that his a veto would be over overturned pretty easily and so he just, I think, took that as a signal to go ahead and, and jump on the, the climate alarmism bandwagon. Now, to me, let's just look at this politically. If he had vetoed it, doesn't, I mean, to me, don't you think that would then open him up to be attacked by his progressive opponents in the primary? Oh, absolutely. And okay. So I think one thing we're, one thing we're seeing is he's deciding. Um, there's there's no no moderate to conservative constituency that can win at least in the Democrat Party in Rhode Island, or people who might you know be unaffiliated and vote in that primary. So I think we'll see more of him just sort of going along with whatever the left wants, because he's clearly made the calculation that his his small business, uh, relatively you know conservative northeastern Democrat. Uh, is just not strong enough in this state for him to win a primary. Right. Now, do you think this then hurts him with moderate Dems in the business community? I think it it has to. Um, I mean, now keep in mind, the the division be the bad points of this legislation are going to take some time because the state's going to come up with a plan. Somebody has to violate the plan. Then people have to sue them. So it could take some time till till this bears its terrible fruit. Uh, but any anybody who's paying attention and, and gets a sense of what's coming, uh, which a lot of business owners have to do, uh, then they'll know that he's not he, he he was part of this problem. On the other hand, though, increasingly the question has to be for such people: Where do I go? Right. Uh, is there going to be a Republican who's going to challenge him? Was a chance? I. I tend to doubt it. Is there going to be a, a more moderate Democrat who jumps into the race and splits the vote versus, say, the nightmare scenario of Aaron Regenberg running for governor? I don't know. Um, I doubt it. So I, I think politically, if your goal is to win the governor's race as a Democrat next time around, politically, he, he's probably made the, the most well-calculated move. I hesitate to call it the right move because it was his wrong move morally uh, and policy-wise. But I think politically, he's down to very few choices. And the disappointment on my end, anyway, is that he's not hes not showing the inclination to fight, to, to try to save the state from the progressives. Maybe he'll, he'll do that once he's elected, uh, but by then he'll, been, he'll have been bowing down to them for two years. So I would be doubtful of that. I wouldn't want to bet on it. 
who would you think might run? And again, folks, we're speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. We're doing a Wednesday segment of uh, politics this week. By the way, coming up, I will play sound of former Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. She did have her first White House press briefing today and uh, was speaking with the press and behind the podium. In the, um, she talks about the census and more. But, Justin, who do you um, see... Uh, I mean, right now, the candidates for governor on the Democrat side would be Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza, Seth Magaziner, Nellie Gorbia, if if though she runs, definitely McKee. But did you say you, you think there would be another moderate Dem that, that would then run against McKee? No, I, I had to doubt it. Um, okay. I, but I, I think that, that would be one one thing he would that might frighten him into vetoing a bill like this. Uh, is if he thought there were a possibility. So I think the indication that he didn't, he's not vetoing the bill, despite the fact that his veto will be, won't be successful in the long run, um, the fact that he's not vetoing it suggests he's not concerned about, or he's more concerned anyway of aggressives than the idea that a, oh, yeah. a moderate would. And I think strategically, a moderate would be would be shooting himself in the foot or herself in the foot to, to jump into a primary here because of anybody who's conceivably going to run, McKee is going to be the most moderate Democrat. Right. So you would only split that vote. Yeah, I'm hearing that former mayor, businessman Joe Palino, who seemed to be exploring it, but he he's, I'm hearing now he won't, McKee will, you know, they're kind of, a, a lot of the same issues are important. Um, I I view this as, He's more concerned of a progressive coming after him on the climate bill than he is, as you say, about a Republican challenging him uh, with the business community. Now, just in the let's just say the, the in 24, well, 2014, you had a pretty divisive primary with Kranz Mayor Alan Fung and Ken Block. Fung won that. You go back 2018. That was a very divisive primary between Fung Morgan and then Giovanni Ferrosi, and they finished you know, Fung, Morgan, and Giovanni Ferrosi. So the the primary would be this September. Now, we're almost into mid-April. Um, are you hearing any names that could, that would, uh, that would run for governor as a Republican? Because I'm not hearing anyone right now, which is unusual. Yeah, I, I am not. And uh, you, you could read the last couple. Uh, I mean, if you, if you look at somebody like Alan Fung, Put in the time as a Republican, ran a city well, uh, and then still had those vicious primaries even to get to the general yes. election. Yeah, uh, that's that sort of thing's got to be a huge disincentive. And it's, I mean, it's, it's it's incredible that the minority party in the state uh, is having the most uh, the most vicious uh, primaries. And, you know when they when they really need to be unified because they're getting they're getting rolled in, in just about everything in the state, uh, and so that that's got to end. But at this point, I think that's the dynamic I see from the local level up to the state level here is who who would want to bother with that? You know, the media is going to be against you. People are going to be vilifying you. Progressives will pick at your house. Uh, you, you, I mean, anybody who's going to be, be not one of us, you know, crazy in the weeds conservative types is, is going to shy away from even entering that race. And then let alone if they go ahead and risk all that and they start taking fire from their own side. Uh, I, I, it, it takes a lot for somebody to get, I think, to, to jump in at this point as a Republican in a governor's race. Yeah, and, and Fung is not going to run. He's not going to run again for governor. I don't know if he'll run for another statewide office, but he also just, you know, his wife, Barbara Ann Fenton Fung, she's now up at the state house, and then he does have the new job at the law firm in Johnston. He may decide, you know, he's uh, he's done his duty, and for now, he'd like to just be in the private sector. Um, but I agree with you, Justin. What's also even more troubling is well, back in November, there were four, I would say, four good candidates that ran for both rep and senate, especially for the senate. One is Doreen Costa. Um, she lost in a three-way primary. They never should have let that guy, Matt Mannix, run. He ran anyway. He got 1,000 votes. She she lost by 800 votes, so she could have won that uh, race. And then you had um, 
Anthony G. Russo tried to get his seat back, but lost to progressive Justine Caldwell. You had that Bridget Valadier, who's a state senator. She had a good a good opponent, uh, Charles Callanan, who I, I, I believe is no longer. Both he and Scott Zambrano, I get the impression, uh, for different reasons, are not going to be running again. So th- those are four solid candidates who are not going to be in the mix this year. And and it is interesting. You you know, you have Lancia saying he's going to run against Langevin, but that's not even we, we don't even know if it's going to be a, a Langevin. It could be, you know, you're up against Cicilline. Um, and then you have someone that's saying they're going to challenge Peter Narona, which, again, I think he's going to be really tough to beat. Um, I haven't heard of anyone for Secretary of State. I haven't heard of anyone announced for General Treasurer. And then we haven't heard anyone for Governor, Lieutenant Governor. But I would think, I know people could say they have till the end of the year, but they could then start running into, let's just say someone said, I'm going to announce in January instead of a year out, like after Labor Day. You're going to get some business people that are going to commit to Governor McKee and then it's very difficult to get people once they go into a camp. Oh, sure. And I, I think I'm not, you're not seeing, I, I don't see a whole lot of candidate growth out there. People who are getting involved, uh, moving into you know, local Republican town committees, for example, uh, starting to show a, a visible interest and in try to get some vision recognition for a statewide office or a legislative seat. Uh, there's, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. There, there aren't large numbers of, of people congregating. Now, some of that, I, I think, here's where you get into the, the left-loving COVID. Uh, some of that, I think, is just you can't really develop that sort of its minority group coherence uh, when, you, when you can't meet. So I think that's been a big problem. There are a lot yes. of events, a lot of a lot of things people can't do. Uh, even going door to door, you can kind of do, but uh, you know it's, it's nerve wracking. I'm sure, and you, you don't offend anybody. So there's that. And then if the legislature starts monkeying around to make sure that we are, are voting, voting is less secure next time than it used to be uh, pre-COVID. Then you know I, I think it's going to play into decisions as well, and people may just give up. And I think some of the candidates, uh, I don't know whether they've announced, but I know some of them have, have bought houses in other states. I don't know if they've officially moved there or if they, right. they're just vacation homes. But, but at that point, that's that's sort of becoming the, I mean, it's always, as long as I've been paying attention for the past 15, 20 years, every now and then I would be getting emails from folks saying, keep up the good work, but I'm out of here. Uh, and I think that's that's hitting a, a crisis point for any hope of, of having, a, having an alternative party in the state. Folks, it's... Um Right now, it's 128. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dipietro.com. Uh, our segment is Politics This Week. We are speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. By the way, at the website, remember, you can link right through to Allstate Lock, residential, commercial, security cameras, car keys, AllstateLock.com, or call them at 349-0042. Justin, it's been a week. What do you make of Governor McKee? And uh, his choice for lieutenant governor in Sabina Matos. Well, I don't know. I, I still haven't processed all the emotions after being so surprised <laughs> by his choice. I, uh, obviously, that's a joke. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it was it was expected politically. I think it works for him. Um, I, I thought it was he was kind of coy about saying he, he didn't he didn't choose her because of for race. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. We know identity politics is important, and uh, but I think it was what was interesting with the whole show of, of taking applications all the way down to is picking the person that most people I think expected him to pick. Um, we almost got a got a live view of the process by which you know sometimes when somebody's hired in the state and it's you know the, a relative of one of the local union poobahs or something like that you, you know you can you can make it a joke by saying after a nationwide search he hired the, his sister you know that kind of thing it, it was kind of like that feeling and we got to watch it all in, in real time after after this exhaustive competition he picked the person we all expected but i think again as we were discussing uh, 
regarding his which is likely competitors see if they if she and he are running together she helps him uh, with that you know that the identity politics issue and, and she can be an attack dog against you know Jorge Alorza and take some points off him in the public eye and also she did raise a good point in her uh, speech on the matter uh, Sabina Matos did uh, she said you know they, they both came up through municipal systems and so I think that's that may be as as the left takes over Rhode Island more and more that may become one of the more defining uh, lines to the better candidate being the one who has some municipal experience, which can translate loosely as has some experience actually trying to make things function yep. uh, rather than just operating on ideology. So in that regard, I think they make a good ticket. And it'd be interesting if they to see if they together kind of increase the expectation or the idea that governor and lieutenant governor should be a ticket. When you say he picked someone that we all expected... Did, did you have any conversations with people who were, who are not, you know, follow it day to day the way you and I do that were then were surprised? Like, who'd he pick and who is she? And uh, did you have any communication with anyone like that? No, I, I think in general, when you're, when you get out of that, I think Ian Donis in a recent column called it the, the gang of 500. I guess there are 500 of us or so who pay a lot of attention. Once you get outside of that, I think the, the most common thing is, Oh, we have a lieutenant governor. <laughs> how, do, how does that work? You know, I, I don't think most people are even aware of what's going on. So I don't know. I don't know anybody who, pay, who doesn't pay. The drop off is pretty, pretty steep, right? From paying enough attention to that expected to not paying any attention to this kind of thing at all. I think that's. So I haven't had conversations with people. Who were surprised because I, I don't anybody who would have been surprised I think probably isn't paying much attention doesn't even doesn't really care yeah what what do you think it says about um, where we are right now in as a state and in politics and even as a country that by all accounts that was you know the lot that was like the smart move politically I mean years ago it maybe it could have been someone. Who, and there was someone who maybe could have raised money, like that Liz Perrick person. Maybe it would have been, some people initially thought it would be former Mayor Central Falls, James Diosa. Maybe you would choose someone that was from like an, a political upcoming party. I had someone that said, do you think he'll pull, he may pick former uh, Attorney General Patrick Lynch, or maybe he'll choose Frank Caprio from the Caprio family. Um there, there were in the past, maybe would have been an argument or consideration from like a politically connected family. But what do you think it says, Justin, that his choice came down to someone who took the citizenship test, came here from the Dominican Republic, obviously is bilingual, a female uh, Latina from the city of Providence? Well, I, you know, I, I think that's one of the not reflecting on her. Specifically, and, and you know, it's a compelling life story she has, which is, is good and valuable. But um, the identity politics angle of it, I think, is, is really terrible for the, the country. Because, and I think they, the way you phrase it is an excellent way to, to put that in perspective. If you if you are picking based on identity politics, yep. you're not picking on anything else, right. anything more substantive. So maybe maybe there's a senator like Lou De Palma who who has a lot of technical expertise and, and is familiar in the legislature. So he would be helpful to a governor to choose somebody like that or somebody who can raise money. That would be helpful for political reasons or somebody who, who I don't know, has, has a lot of experience doing X, Y, or Z or has a different perspective from the governor on something or is an education specialist. All of those things are reasons to pick somebody to run with and to work with. Uh, identity politics is nothing. It's, it's just here's somebody who's a particular color Right. So it's all optics. It's all optics. Yeah, and anything, any other benefit, as I said, for example, she she has a municipal experience is probably going to be a benefit, and she can help him fight back Alorza. That'll be a political benefit. But all that stuff is just incidental. You're not really picking people based on merit when you're picking them on the color of their skin. Because it is funny. One of the top ten was this man that he's with a a law firm, and he's an older man. 
And I, I've heard one of his uh, friends contacted me and, you know, was trying to, like, make a case for him. And he's such a good, respected guy. And he's always been involved in the community and coached and nice family. And he's such an honest, great attorney. And um, and I, I kind of felt bad because in most circumstances, you'd say, you know, he'd be a tremendous choice. But his this is 2021. And. Dan McKee, let's be honest, he was in no position to pick another white male or especially also with the party. I mean, I think it really also shows that, you know, in the past, Warwick was always like such a powerful city. You had to, if you didn't win Warwick, you weren't going to win the governorship. And now obviously Cranston. But the, let's face it, the Democrat Party, if you want to win a Democrat primary, which McKee wants to, he's a guy from Cumberland and he has to perform well. In mainly Providence, but also Pawtucket or Central Falls, or he's he's not going to be successful. Um, I think it is interesting. He he beat Aaron Ruggenberg in Providence less than it was less than a thousand votes. Uh, I think it was even closer to like five hundred or six hundred votes. So I, I think, unfortunately, for Governor McKee, that that all of his decisions. Um, all lead to next September, that if he can't be successful, and it's interesting, Justin Katz, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Wednesday. Um, he is not blowing people away. Right now, I, I ran into, because um, of Easter and so forth, but like some Democrat uh, operatives in a way established, and I know them and they know me, and there's respect there. And, and they, they, there were five of them. And I stumbled into their get together. All five of them feel Seth Magaziner beats this guy. You know, he are you kidding? Seth's got the money. He could raise five million this weekend. They are not. You know, uh, they're calling McKee. He's Charlie Fogarty. Uh, I, it was interesting to listen to because in their mind, like no way, no way is he going to beat the establishment because that's. Really, one thing I'll say about Governor McKee, Justin Katz, is he's not the establishment. I'll give him that. He's an outsider. Right, and that's why it's, it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that we're already able to discount the possibility that he'd almost do a, a, a more mild and goofier version of a Trump thing, you know, where he would try to rally people as the outsider to, to, to change things and, and maybe even get the economy. I mean, that's one, it's, it's amazing. I don't hear much talk about that kind of that kind of approach at all. Uh, the idea that, imagine if McKee really worked at it, pushed through some policies, and in, because uh, he was running for election, re-election, Rhode Island's economy was booming for the first time in 25 years. You know, I mean, that's, that's a bit extreme, but just to illustrate that that's almost not even on the table, that idea that he could just be successful and people would re-elect him on merit. I guess, you know, it's just, we don't seem to do that anymore in Rhode Island. I think it is, and I think it's um, tough, and especially I think it's harder with with the Democrat Party. So, you know, yeah. he's got he's got time. He's got 15 months to make his case. He is the governor. This has certainly given him his best shot of becoming governor, elected governor. But if I think they just need to put the pedal to the metal a little more. And he's got, Justin, if you've had a chance to read it, uh, Dan McGowan now did a column this morning in the Boston Globe and um, – do you see? I don't see an easy answer with this, this Providence schools because I, I I think, in the story, Mayor Lorza, it comes right out and says, "Listen, the whole reason the state was supposed to take it over was to rip up the contract. If you don't rip up the contract, nothing is going to get changed. The union contract is too powerful, and this you you can't be timid with this. The only thing they understand is force." The question is, and I know Governor McKee is saying, well, I still want the parties to keep talking. And you're, you're not, you know, they, they are still at night is day, up is down, black is white. They, they are, they're so far apart that April is going to turn into May, is going to turn into June. Um, what is your thought on the situation with him, whether he likes it or not? He inherited it from Governor Raimondo in the Providence School situation. Yeah, well, that's one area where I mean, I'm not optimistic, given the, you know, our discussion so far about you know, how he's, he's really got his eyes on the, the Democrat primary, which the, you know, the progressive movement and the teachers' unions in Rhode Island are, yeah. are 
almost on this. Uh, so I, I'm not optimistic he'll put his foot down. On the other hand, there are, there are encouraging signs nationally uh, that, that people are really getting fed up with the teachers' union. Yes. Uh, or for things like school choice are yes. going up and up and up. So if, if that wave comes to Rhode Island, if parents, and, and I know there are, there are some groups that are starting to pop up, especially with charter schools, um, if the parents are really making noise, that could be a big a big change, and that could be something that McKee could grab onto to be the different kind of Democrat that actually gets the popular support, even in a place like Providence. Because otherwise, I mean, parents have to realize we're we're on this track to just keep kicking the ball down the road. That's what they've been doing for decades now. I mean, I, if you watch uh, the standardized testing at all, you know, they, what, it became a joke. It would, as soon as they started to have the, they had the standardized test for enough years, they could start to trace students' progress. They weren't making progress, and they would change the test, and then they get to say, "Oh well, we changed the test. You can't compare the numbers, so we're, we got to yeah. start by a zero. It's just a way to get five years, ten years, just on and on and on and on without making any changes. That's where we are right now. Okay, we'll just ride out this this current push. We'll make no changes. We'll just dig in our heels, and everybody will forget. And meanwhile, generation after generation of students is being poorly served criminally. I think yeah. in the school system, and you know that's but those parents and, and the rest of us, frankly, have to have to pipe up and, and make sure uh, somebody like McKee and then all of the legislators understand that there is a cost for, for doing this terrible disservice to our children. Yeah, I um I get the feeling that he's I, I know he'd like to find a compromise uh, and maybe somehow feels that if they let him have more charter schools. That's almost like a way to compromise, but it's not going to improve public education. It's not. Um, I I do not get the feel. You know what's too bad, Justin, is let's just say Governor McKee was someone that said, I'm going to be the governor for the next 15 months or to the end of 2020. And I don't, I have no interest in seeking the office. I'm truly going to fulfill the term. That's the type of person to me you would actually need to rip up these contracts. Because when you have mayor or lords saying the only way you're going to get any change is you have to tear up the contract. And the state, it's like they edge closer to the pool and they announce the takeover, but they just won't rip off the Band-Aid. And you and I have been monitoring how it started with, you know, we the, the, the union said, oh, we all want to work together. And you get community and there's meetings. Then they start throwing out the pictures of the broken chairs. Then they show the ceiling tile. Then they get the media on board. Then they tell the media, you know, we want to take you inside the school, even though they know that you can't allow people to just go inside a school. That's no school. Any school that if you and I just show up, they they won't let you in, never mind with now with the pandemic. And then what do they do after it drags out and they just keep, you know, dragging it out? Then they say, we're going to take a no confidence vote because you just aren't doing. It. I mean, it, it, it it's like a playbook, right? Delay, delay, no confidence vote. Try to frustrate. Try to just push the person out. Then there's a new person. Um, I know he doesn't want to deal with this, but this business of compromise, Justin, what does it say that they can't even be in the same room to negotiate? I mean, if if that's where you're at. Um, you know, if you and I were marriage counselors and, and you had a couple that won't even sit in the same room, I, I just I don't know how it got to that, but would you give much credence to these these are things that could be worked out? No, and no. mostly not even mostly because it's just it's so obviously just strategy from the union's point of view. Yes. They're, they're, they have no interest in anything. So whatever they do is just a show. It's not that they don't, it's not even that they don't like uh, Infante Green, the commissioner. It's just, it's just, this is how they're playing this game. And I think, I think you hit on a good point. It, it'd be interesting if at some point in the next year and a half, uh, Governor McKee somehow comes to the realization that he's probably going to lose. Maybe he hears our conversation and, and takes that conversation you overheard or you, you had with the Democrat party over the weekend. He takes it to heart and says, okay, I'm not going to win anyway, so let me just go ahead and do what I think has to be done. And then maybe that would improve his chances because people would rally to him. But I think uh, I think it goes to the, the ripping up the contract thing goes back to, in my view, to charter schools. 
and you're right that charter schools aren't going to save public education. But one of the things that nobody wants to talk about that they're supposed to do is put pressure on the regular public schools Correct. to say, you are not performing. Right. These kids over here are just like your students, and they're performing. You are not performing. Therefore, we can rip up your contract. <laughs> one way or another, it has to get back to that. And I, that's that's something that nobody in, in official capacity in Rhode Island wants to face. It's like you have to be ready to absorb the blowback, and there will be. But, you know, I'll give in, Mayor Alorza, his quotes with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe is not wrong, saying, what, what is the purpose of the state taking it over if you don't rip, rip up the contract? The whole reason they let the state take over was because then the state has the power to rip up the contract. What are you waiting for? And I don't blame him with that. And, you know, Governor McKee, he's new, and I, I still think he feels he's got a good chance, and if he does some things right— um, he could find himself winning, you know, re-election uh, or being elected, I should say, by winning the primary next September. So I, I wouldn't fold the tent just yet. But th- this is to me, this is like, remember the old commercial, pay me now or pay me later. I mean, if you go and the mechanic says, hey, listen, you need to get that replaced. You need to get that replaced. 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. Suddenly it costs 500. If, if you don't, maybe they're waiting. Maybe they're going to tear it up. Once they get through this school system, uh, this uh, year in June, and then, uh, you know, it's too bad, but this thing is not going to be resolved. It comes down to the contract. The changes that they want to make that would improve things, the union is tough as nails. And I also think, Justin Katz, people need to realize this is not, this union leadership, they're not operating in a bubble. You know, one of the reasons why they... Don't mind being in separate rooms or they can't agree to anything is come on. They're on the phone to New York. They have people, you know, they're, they're, they're are professional negotiators. They're running negotiations all over the country and they're familiar. Do this, do that, push this, say that. Here's a study. Like it, it is like if you watch a football game and yeah, you have the quarterback on the field, but you have a coach on the sideline. You have the offensive coordinator up in the booth. They're calling the plays down to the sideline. Then it goes to the field. There's a lot of cooks involved in this kitchen. Jessica, before we um, wrap up a little bit of a limited edition of politics this week, what do you make of, um, and it has not to me gotten the full vetting it should, but Nellie Gobia, 36-page voting that uh, voting uh, legislation she's put forth. And and um, and Justin Katz is someone that, you know, you and I follow this, I would argue, closer than a lot of others. Something that even caught me off guard was she wants to create a permanent absentee voter list. Now, Justin, I've never heard of anything like that in my life. Georgia's redoing the uh, voter rolls. I don't have anything like that. Texas is not going to have that. Why would Rhode Island have permanent absentee voter list? They won't once you're on there. Then you're on there forever because then yes. you, you, they can just send in your ballot for you. I, yep. I think that's that's what it just, is. It's every, every everything is just to increase the opportunity for fraud. Yeah, and that, I mean that's really all there is to it. I mean, I, one of the things that struck me was uh, John Marion, who's uh. common cause Rhode Island, and is a supporter of all this this he stuff. Uh, he said he, he actually made the argument that we've run. He said four statewide elections in less than a year without requirement for. Uh, witnesses to your mail ballot. He said, oh, and we've had no problem. Well, yeah, all that means is they're getting away with any fraud they're doing. Right. Who's checking on that? No one. I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better about all this, 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 these games and these changes that they were looking at them and saying, yes, fraud is a concern, so we're going to, here are the steps we're going to take to keep an eye on out for. We're going to audit all the ballots and understand. I mean, if they were doing that kind of thing, then maybe they could say, yes, we did this for four elections. We did a complete audit. There were no duplicates. There was no fraud. We actually looked. So now we're going to make this permanent. We're going to expand that over there. They don't do that because it's all it's all just a game too. because they know uh, at the very least, the low, low, lowly informed voters are going to vote more the way they want. At the, at the most likely, they know they, they've got people playing games that's exactly right. And not only that, Justin, I, and I agree with you, I'd even feel better if they said, you know, it turned out this person sent back a mail ballot application. And then we find out that the person that they sent it back for had passed away or no longer lived there and nothing, 
Nelly Gobia says it was the perfect election in November. Not one ballot tossed out. No one uh, voted that wasn't supposed to. Uh, Justin Katz, I, I, I refuse to believe that. And, and if anything, if people aren't learning that in the state, we learned it with UHIP. Uh, anytime there's anything electronically or, you know, the website crashing with people trying to make appointments. I mean, come on, the evidence is there. This state, like about it, but we don't do things well. Uh, in whether it's a rollout or things online. And I certainly don't have confidence that as Nelly Obia has a bill that would allow voters to request a mail ballot electronically or a permanent absentee voter list, they give me no confidence to feel that it would be done effectively and efficiently. No, no, no. The person who would give you confidence is the one who says, yes, security is a concern, and that's why we're doing X, Y, Z. It's a fantasy game. There's, there's no risk of fraud. We did this already. There was no evidence of fraud. It's just not credible. Nobody should take them seriously. They're just trying to make to corrupt our system even more. Yeah, and you know what else is, I, and its context is important. And again, folks, good afternoon at 151. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. With me is Justin Katz, managing at OceanStateCurrent.com. Our segment is politics this week. Justin, if you really, people read up or learn about what happened in Georgia, what happened really in Georgia in November, many people that are pushing back are saying there was no evidence of massive voter fraud. Well, why does it have to, as I've said, why does it have to be massive voter fraud? What they found were all these mail ballot applications and mail ballots then came back, but they didn't have any, there was no way to verify if they were legit. So with the new law they've passed, which has now led to, you know, Major League Baseball pulling the All-Star game and Coke and Delta and, and Stacey Abrams and all, and even Biden, Jim Crow. The only thing, one of the things they're adding is, think in Rhode Island. Uh, where they, Nelly Gobia sent out all the unsolicited mail ballot applications. And then when you send your, so you get a mail ballot. When you send it in, in Georgia now, there's a spot on it where you have to even put your driver's license number, your social security number, or your free state issued ID number so they can verify that. That is what they're so upset about. That is what turns out, my understanding that's what the Trump people were so upset about was there was no way to verify any of this. So to rectify the situation so they don't run into it again. And Georgia officials, again, my understanding was they were then quick to say, you know what, you're right. There is no way to check to see if these ballots are legit. Going forward, we're going to change it. And then that's why now you have the uproar. And Justin Katz, let's face it, if you and I or any legitimate voter, if they told you, Justin, you're going to get a mail ballot application and you can fill out and send in your mail ballot. However, we're going to forget about the notary. On the mail ballot itself, you're going to have to put in either your driver's license, social security number or state issued ID. You, Justin Katz, would say, okay. Either I, A, I'll vote in person, forget that, or I will put in, here's my driver's license number, here is my social security number, or here is my state issued ID. You wouldn't start screaming, you know, bloody murder that they're trying to disenfranchise you and discourage you from voting. Oh, no, absolutely. Right? <laughs> we all understand, I think, if we're honest, we all understand that you need some kind of check. Yes. kind of way to verify validity of these things. Otherwise, it's, I mean, every, a, a large portion of the people who are alive right now remember that first dramatic vote in Iraq after the Iraq war. That's right. Out with their purple fingers. I mean, that was, there. there's a, there's security right there. You got your finger purple for a week. I mean, that's, and people understood why you have to do that. So, right. Yeah, nobody, I, very few people would legitimately have a concern about something that that marks them, and as you, that's a good observation. That most people would understand why why they were supposed to do it, and if they didn't want to do it, they'd say, "All right, I'll go vote in person, and I don't have to worry about the privacy concerns or whatever." Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's clear as day. It is, and let's just one one final thing on that. You and I go to Fenway. Not that I'm going to go to baseball, but we go up. I say, "Hey, Justin, I'm going to buy you a Coors Light." You say, "Great." We go up. And the guy says, I need an ID because they ask everyone for an ID. Doesn't matter. They don't have to guess. Anyone that wants to buy it has to show one. Now, I 
if I start saying, how dare you? I refuse. You're trying to not sell me a beer. You're a racist. You're somehow trying to deprive me of having the beer and buy the. The only conclusion the guy would come to, and I think the only reason you'd act that way, is if you didn't have an ID on you. Otherwise, what's the problem? What's the point? Why wouldn't you just, what we all do, here's my ID. You're going to board a plane? You have to show your license? You know, can you imagine someone walking up? I refuse. You're a racist. Why do I have to show it? Blah, blah, blah. You're trying to disenfranchise me. This is Jim Crow. You're trying to discourage me from flying or buying a beer or whatever the hell it is. That's the only people that act that way are someone that maybe doesn't have an ID on them or they're not old enough or whatever it may be. But a normal that is a normal request for the transaction that's about to take place. Yeah, especially, and, and even more with voting, because it's protecting you. Yes. It's making sure that you are using your vote. It's, almost, it's more like if you if you went to pick up your coat at a, at a restaurant after you checked your coat, and they didn't ask for the ticket. Yes. Or, you know, oh, you can't ask me for my ticket. <laughs> the guy is protecting your coat. Other, somebody doesn't steal it. It's the same thing with the votes. And I, I think it's just, at this point, it's just become so politicized. And I think you, the tell is Joe Biden with the constant, constant Jim Crow this, Jim Crow that. Yep. It's just so outrageous and wrong. We have to repeat it over and over again. The big lie to try to get people to believe it. Folks, he is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com, Justin Katz. Justin, great job. Uh, next week, we'll return to our normal time politics this week. But uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. I look forward to it. All right, folks, there it is, Justin Katz, joining us right here on the John DePietro Show at 157. Hey, just a reminder, coming up, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Coming up at 2 o'clock is the return of the man himself. That's right, coming up at 2 o'clock, John Dion returns to the airwaves. He's uh, had quite the adventure. You want to call and talk to him. He's coming your way at 2 o'clock. I want to remind you right now, 157, that if you're in need of someone to do some deck staining or maybe a handyman, handyman services, contact. It's Jay Freitas Construction. Contact Jamie at 401 837 4545 837-4545. Now, let's just say, you know, one, I, I'm not going to be able to remember that number, 837-4545. If you log on at petro.com, you can, uh, then there's a direct link from my website. And by the way, also, while you're on the website, if you want to see the video from the rally yesterday, it's at the website, which is petro.com. Folks, uh, earlier today, Governor Amundo. People wondered when she left Rhode Island to be Commerce Secretary. Well, the real reason came out today because there she was at the White House press briefing on behalf of the Biden administration. The census. Um, have you been briefed on the status of getting the results of the 2020 census? Yes, I have. Uh, when's it coming? Uh, well, we think we have said that the um, the Redistricting data will be available no later than a September. Long way 30th. from Margie O'Brien if reading it's of the available question. before that, in a, you know, we feel comfortable about it. We'll put it out then, but we need a little bit more time. State elections officials, secretaries of state, who are sitting there, you know, scratching their head over which lines they should be using for elections this year yeah. and next year. What do you say to them? I say I know it's tough, but be patient. You know, last last year was a was a his, was a once in a lifetime pandemic. Folks, the again, there she is. Professionals had to do the same. Commerce Secretary, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. Listen, it's John DePietro. Tomorrow is the COVID briefing with the new governor, and that is Dan McKee. It's John DePietro. Enjoy this Wednesday. Go to the website depietro.com if you want to get a hold of me. Coming up at 2 o'clock, he is back in the saddle. It is John Dion. He's coming your way after the 2 o'clock news. Folks, enjoy. WNRI, Winsocket.